when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Carousel talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job, and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And So, yes, to answer your question. Our purpose is to win, make no mistake about it, but it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sun Belt, uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. we got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. Talk about the reception you received from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got up the point? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of that. It was like, <laughs> like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. It's time for Carolina football. Let's get the fuck out of your seats. Spurs up. Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast presented by my bookie. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, so we're, hey, we still got plenty of SEC action to get into here, but it was a little bit of a lull. I'm not going to lie this week, or just this, starting off the week, because we got several teams on a bye. We only got a couple of matchups here in the SEC, four games this weekend, and we're only going to preview one of them on today's show. We're going to get to the others. We're still waiting for press conferences to happen, but... Uh, Hey, so this is going to be a little bit of a lighter show, but uh, hey, I'm, I'm fired up to talk some SEC football, and uh, I didn't get fired by Jeremy Pruitt yet, so <laughs> how about you? Uh, yeah, I did get fired in the middle of the night, so that was awesome, Mike, you know? Um, <laughs> I just, I, I'm just curious, you know, does, does this guy, uh, this defensive line coach, does he, uh, does he also coach Garantano? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get to that in a minute, uh, that was, that's a little teaser there, but uh Hey, before we go around the league here, Shane, I just thought this yeah. was great news. We're not going to have a, a ton of opportunities to talk about Arkansas this week because they are one of those teams that I've referenced on a much-needed buy. But, of course, the hero, well, one of the heroes, I should say, Arkansas had plenty of them last week. Hudson Clark, the walk-on defensive back, awarded a scholarship yep. by Sam Pittman here. He was on SEC this morning. Let's kick it over to Coach sharing the, the big news here about Hudson Clark. Uh, I called uh, Hudson Clark uh, last evening to ask him to come see me. And uh, we're out of scholarships right now at this day, but in January we're going to put him on scholarship. That's awesome. I think, I th- I think um, he's earned that, and, and uh, we're awful happy to be able to do that. But uh, he was really – he was he was happy and excited and probably thought in his mind it's about time, but we were happy to be able to give him a scholarship in January. All right, Shane, so that's just awesome. Clark was also named the SEC Freshman of the Week yeah. of the entire conference, so he's got a lot going for him. And then making this thing even better, Shane, Lane Kiffin saw this video, this very video we played for you, 
Mm-hmm. Did you see his response, Shane? No, I didn't see it. Lane tweeted it out, said, Happy we can help the kids in Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, oh. it's nice to see the late trade's got a sense of humor, even though his team got uh, hammered here in the, on Saturday. Mike, this is awesome news, brother. You know, it's usually a freaking kicker that's getting these things, you know. It's like, <laughs> hey, if you make his field goal, we'll give you a scholarship, you know. But I, I'm glad uh, I'm glad it's Hudson Clark, man. For, uh, uh, freshman, had a had a hell of a week. What do you have? How many, how many interceptions do you have? Three. Three. Yeah. I mean, geez. Get, it, get it to him now, man. Kick somebody off. No, I'm just kidding. Don't. <laughs> This was good. This is great. That's more interceptions than a lot of guys getting their entire damn career. You know what? Mike, did you ever tell you about the time I almost had an interception? No. <laughs> oh, man. Listen, I I I'm played defensive line. I was nose guard slash tackle, you know. They had me moving around, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm big guy, you know. that I'd love to play linebacker, but it just wasn't in my DNA. <laughs> but anyway, we're playing this game uh, up in Morristown. We had one of these receivers uh, doing a slant route. Well, truth be told, I kind of was getting my my ass kicked on the line there as I was going toward the end on the outside. Well, when the, the, the ball hit the wide receiver, our cornerback hit him at the same time. Man, that ball went straight up, and it was like out of a freaking movie, Mike. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was just like, you know, it's like extremely slow motion. And so I gave everything I had, like that West Virginia guy. I don't know if you saw that one, uh, where the big defensive lineman <laughs> had the interception. He just stretched out. I laid out Mike, and that damn thing went right between my arms. I thought I had the interception, and it just it hit the ground. And I've had many of nights thinking about that. You ever have those dreams, and you're like moving extremely slow. <laughs> Everything's in slow motion. Everybody's behind you. I've replayed that interception about 15 times, and and each time I've still came short. So, yeah, that was uh, that was about as close as I got to an interception, Mike. Well, I guess there's a reason why you weren't a skill player, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, man. But if I could go back, man, I, I definitely would have brought that in. Damn, it was so close. All right, Shade. So obviously we're in week five. I don't want to confuse people, but the SEC always announces the week ahead for the kickoff and TV schedule. So I'm going to break this down just real quick. Week six, kickoff times, television coverage for the SEC. We only got one noon game, Georgia at Kentucky on SEC Network. All of a sudden, with Kentucky you know, having a couple of wins under their belt, this is looking like a really good matchup. LSU at Auburn, that's going to be the CBS game. It's one of my favorite games every year in the SEC. Ole Miss at Vanderbilt. That's going to be 4 o'clock Eastern on SEC Network. Then we got three night games. Mississippi State at Alabama, 7 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. Arkansas at Texas A&M. We'll talk about suddenly mm-hmm. you know, a fantastic game. 7.30 Eastern on the SEC Network. And then last but not least, Missouri at Florida, 7.30 Eastern on SEC Network Alternate. You know, I, I really wish – I know fans like their night games, but, hell, we should have kicked one of these night games to, to noon so that we wouldn't triple up here at, in the evening. But uh, beyond, beyond that, I can't really complain. I'm the same way. I, I think they should have flexed one of these a little earlier, and, and then you can kind of just bounce back and watch every single game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I do like the night games, and who knows? 
the one that they brought up may be the the best game and uh, you know, it's, that's what I usually find when we have multiple games on it. Not, I don't know about you, Mike. Uh, I know you go back and watch games and, and, and things like that, but it's just, you know, you finally, you, you drift to one of the games mm-hmm. usually. And next thing you know, you're just, you're just totally consumed because the other one may be a blowout or something. So I, I don't know. I love all these matchups. I think they're going to be fantastic. Uh, what do you think about the CBS game? Is that the, I, I kind of, at this point, I would have went with Arkansas, Texas yeah, A&M. That's what I was going to say. I'd rather see Arkansas, Texas A&M at that that spot. But you know, who knows? You know, maybe LSU bounces back and uh, they they start getting excited, and you know, maybe Gus. I don't know. Maybe maybe he can turn things around. Yeah, particularly because I mean, we're going to talk about these games here in the in the days to come. But LSU's got a tough one now with South Carolina. Auburn's got a tough one with Ole Miss. Yeah. And all of a sudden, if they if either team loses. And hell, they both could. This CBS game could be a dud real quick. I <laughs> know, <laughs> <No>, right? <laughs> All right, buddy, you ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go now around, let's the go league. around the league. Uh, my, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Right, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys. Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, like I said there in the intro, we only got this one game to break down here. We do got a couple teams we're going to hit on, but uh, still waiting on some other pressers, so more games to come on the next episode. But, of course, the game I'm talking about, quote-unquote, rivalry here. (laughs) We got this game. (laughs) Alabama going on the road to Tennessee. You know, we were both surprised by the point spread. I believe it was 17 at opening. It's already up to 21, I believe. May get even higher. But I don't know, Shade. I'm feeling a little lucky. (laughs) Game coming down on my birthday here. Uh Uh-oh. On Saturday. I always feel... I always feel extra, you know, my anticipation level grows when these when these games fall on your birthday. You feel like you're getting like you may something might be happening here special. Mm-hmm. Well, you know you're the big Tennessee Homer. Yeah. Any chance could you see any way possible? No. Tennessee <laughs> beats <laughs> Alabama this weekend. Oh my well. You know, last Saturday was my brother, your cousin's birthday, cousin Crazy Joe, mm-hmm. and uh, we got smoked by the Kentucky Wildcats. So <laughs> I don't know if birthdays are a good luck thing anymore, Mike, and our family. So I, you know, here's the deal: could it happen? Absolutely, man. I mean, think about last year, South Carolina beating Georgia. Did you think that could happen? No, mm-hmm. I, I nobody did. And they went out and they did it. I, I just, I, anything's possible, 
the the team the team that Alabama is going to play is probably going to be the best talent-wise team that Saban has faced in from Knoxville in a long long time. So, but you got to remember I mean, Alabama's got a ton of weapons, mm-hmm. and uh, the defense has been exposed here of late. I, I, but again, Mike, anything can happen. So yes, to answer your question, simply yes, it could. Now think about it this way: with all the emotion of last week, all the anticipation, everything they threw into that game, then it was obviously compounded by the Nick Saban COVID storylines, and mm-hmm. that whole saga. You know, Alabama clearly played like a team out there just inspired for their coach and you know it was up in the air whether he was going to even be there. This to me seems like a classic letdown game for Alabama and we'll get to Nick Saban's comments here in a minute but I think he's kind of sensing the same thing here because I was surprised just how heated he got in his press conference here, we know this Tennessee game. I know most people laugh. That's why I said, quote-unquote, rivalry when you mention that. But, you know, to the old-timers, this is the big one. This is the big rivalry between these two teams, Alabama and Tennessee, outside of, uh, I would say, the Iron Bowl, of course, you know, with Alabama. But this is the traditional second rival. And Nick Saban always takes this game very, very seriously. He's never lost it as Alabama's head coach. So I'm certain he'll be dialed in, he'll be focused, but, I mean, this is kind of the beauty of college football. You get your team locked in and ready to go one week, and I know Alabama, they don't have many letdowns, but I'm a little concerned that Alabama's going to be, have their full focus on a damn Tennessee team that just lost it, just got embarrassed by Kentucky, firing coaches midweek here I don't know, any chance that Alabama is just completely overlooking Tennessee in this one? Well, Mike, of course there's always that that shot, that opportunity. And, you know, and sometimes I think about this Tennessee team. You know, last year they had a, they had a rough go to start. I mean, when you open up the season with a loss to Georgia State and BYU and, I mean, you got smoked by the Gators and, and Georgia Bulldogs. It was a rough start, man. Mm-hmm. But something clicked at that point, and and those boys got to playing tough, physical downhill football, and you know they went out and they beat Mississippi State. They played. If you look at the box score of that Alabama game last year, dude, there there was moments that thing could have gone either way. Tennessee gave Alabama an absolute fit. If if Garantano didn't fumble at the goal line there. Who knows what could have happened? Uh, or, or if uh, uh, Brian uh, didn't get hurt. I mean, there were so many little things. But so, yeah, Alabama was, if you look at the rosters, was was a lot more talented than Tennessee last year. But they went down there to Tuscaloosa and made it a hell of a game and mm-hmm. uh, almost, almost pulled off the upset. But they didn't, you know what I'm saying? And, and I think that that has to register some. Alabama's coming off the biggest game that they've played this year. And, what you know, we, we did a video yesterday uh, or an audio clip of all the coaches and, you know, excited in the locker room and stuff. Well, one of the most excited coaches in the locker room Saturday was Nick Saban. And uh, they quickly 
TMZ was all over this one, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Dan Wolk couldn't tweet this one out quick enough because Saban didn't have a mask on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that one came off. But you, you could tell the the these guys they these guys were I don't know they they were out to prove something last week with with beating Georgia that I, because there was a lot of people me and you included that were picking Georgia to beat Alabama so that was a tough fought very emotional game so yes when you look at a team like Tennessee that just got their asses beat by Kentucky very much these guys it, it's one thing like Nick Saban do I think he's going to overlook Tennessee absolutely not he's there's a reason he's the king of coaching mm-hmm. but the players it's a different story how how do they react how do they do they go in and just think hey we're just going to steamroll the volunteers and then we can go home and you know what I'm saying I I it's it's the attitude of the players it's an earlier game I don't know I, I there's 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 a lot of factors here, Mike. What time is this game? This would be the CBS 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central game. Oh, okay. Well, shit. You I might catch them be... napping. You know what I mean? I just wish it was a noon game. You know, that would be perfect. <laughs> this, this should be a nooner. That's what I'm thinking, you know? Well, let's kick it over to Coach Saban, who talked about what this game means for Alabama on the potential of facing another quarterback other than Jared Garantano on Tennessee's progression under Jeremy Pruitt. And then the tail end of this, this is what I was talking about Saban. I mean, I, I didn't think it was like that egregious of a question, but you could hear the he getting a little fiery just answering these damn questions. He's, he's trying to get his team fired up is what I think is what's going on here. I think everybody knows that this Tennessee game is, you know, a big rivalry game. Um, means a lot to a lot of people in the state of Alabama uh, and I'm, I'm sure that because it's a rivalry game, we're going to get the absolute, you know, best version of Tennessee's team. You know, Jeremy's done a really good job there, in my opinion. Uh, they played very, very well this this year. You know, last week was the uh, a little bit of an anomaly, and and again, that same old word comes up. You know, they turned the ball over, uh, and that made a huge uh, difference in the game. Uh, but they have some very capable players. I think they got two really good running backs. Their quarterback's very athletic. They got some good skilled players outside. Their defense has played, you know, really well. You know, this year they got really good pass defense. Um, their defense is like, you know, fourth or fifth in the league. You know, overall, um, they're very, very well coached. Um, they do a good job on special teams. Uh, so we're we're going to see uh, a, a good team and. They play their best against us. They, they beat some good teams this year when they played well, and they're very capable, and uh, I would expect we'll see that kind of an effort from them this weekend. Uh, yeah, Coach Jeremy said it, it sounds like uh, that, that Garantano, who you're obviously very familiar with, is going to have to kind of earn his job. So leaving that uh, even earn his starting job, do you prepare a little differently in case there might be a different guy at quarterback? Does that change your uh, – I, I don't really think we can. You know, they do a lot of things on offense. It's going to be very challenging for our defense uh, to make the adjustments that they need to make, you know, in this game. I, I don't know. We don't have enough evidence to know uh, how they would change what they do if they played somebody differently at quarterback. So uh, I don't think it can. we can prepare any different. 
Hey, Nick, last year, obviously, Tennessee showed you tangible evidence of their improvement under Jeremy, winning eight games, and they almost had you one possession game in the fourth quarter. Have you seen continued improvement from Tennessee this year? Or is that kind of difficult, given that they played 10 really good quarters and the last six quarters have kind of been nightmares because of the turnovers? Well, I, I, I think they have made progress. I think, you know, you look at what a team does down in, down out, how their players play. Um, they're playing with a lot of effort, toughness. They're very well coached. Uh, they're in the right spots. Uh, but I think when you turn the ball over in this game, I, I don't care if it's us or them or whoever it is, it's really hard to overcome. Uh, you know, we do a little chart every week and show our players the record of every team in the country who's plus three, plus two, minus three, minus two, zero turnovers. And all you have to do is look at that chart. And it's very telling in terms of the impact that turnovers have on a game. And um, so I think that's been their issue. Uh, and it's not the rest of their team. Uh, it's not how they're capable of playing. It's not the progress that they've made. It's just, you know, the taking care of the ball. You know, everybody just kind of, you know, this is what everybody expects. And I hate that. I hate to see that. Uh, I think everybody should enjoy uh, every win. Uh, they're hard to come by. Um, the expectation sometimes gets to be that, yeah, well, you're Alabama, so you're supposed to beat this team. And if you don't beat them a certain way, then that's not good enough. And I don't really think that's fair to the players. These guys work hard. They put a lot into it. Um, and I love to see them enjoy themselves when they have success. So uh, I was very, very happy to see the players so happy. Kind of touching on that, you've mentioned uh, – keeping, you know, humble, and, and, and this was such an emotional win. What about your team do you feel is going to be able to, to handle that based on what they've already shown this season? I really don't know if they can handle it, so we'll see if they can handle it. I haven't seen them since the game. Um, we'll see them at 1.30 today, and we'll see how they work this week and how they play in the game. Um, so I, I don't know how they're going to handle that. I don't – hypothetical questions, I can't really – I don't have a crystal ball. Uh, I hope they have enough maturity to handle it the way they need to, but we won't know until we practice all week, until we see how they play in a game. All right, Shane, so that does not sound like the damn man we saw dancing in the locker room after Georgia. But, uh, you know, I'm just, I got a sense. The line was 17 for a reason. Saban's getting heated here for a reason. Everybody's overlooking Tennessee. Everyone's telling Alabama they're the greatest team in the history of teams now. I'm just telling you, brother, this – this has got some potential here to be uh, in, in a lot more interesting game, I think, than than a lot of people are giving it credit for. Oh yeah, it, it is, and and it's big for the fans because I know I know a lot of these younger fans. They they don't, and myself included. I mean, Alabama has owned Tennessee the last what 14, 13 years, something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's not it's not been, and it's not been close, but. You look the 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 10, 12, 13 years prior, it was all Tennessee. I mean, there was a couple of Alabama games sprinkled in, but for the most part, Tennessee owned owned this streak. So this is uh this is one of those that has always gone back and forth through the years. And 
And it may not mean so much for the new fans these days, but I'm going to tell you, you ask your mom or your dad or your papa or something about Alabama-Tennessee matchup, man. This this is the rivalry, the third Saturday in October. And uh, it just it just means more. And and whether it's close or not, Mike, uh, you know, whether, whether Tennessee has a shot, we're, we're definitely going to find out Saturday. But I'm going to tell you, man, this streak, these, these two teams need to get closer. I, and, and I guess you could say that with about Alabama and everybody else, but it, you know, it just, I don't know this rivalry. It has lost a little bit of luster, man. Well, let's kick it over to the other side because they're, they're the reason this thing's lost some luster, Tennessee. Let's go on down to Rocky top. Rocky top. Teased it there in the intro, but in the damn middle of the night, it seemed like defensive line coach, Jimmy Brumbaugh, Lost his job. And I'm pretty sure it didn't really happen in the middle of the night, but that's just kind of when word leaked. Jeremy Pruitt making a change at the defensive line coach with uh, so many issues with the offense. We all we all <laughs> knew the defensive line coach had to be involved somehow in this in these miscues. But uh, mm-hmm. what was your re- first reaction when you found out that uh, the defensive line coach, after only four games in the program, gone from Tennessee? Uh-huh. Out of all the coaches, this is the one. <laughs> that was my first thought, you know, was like, and then my second was like, what, what did he do? You know, because then I started like replaying the game and I don't know. I, do you know? I mean, it can't just, I never, I never watched a game and said, you know, man, our defensive line is just God awful. Mm-hmm. Like, that's like out of all the things that's wrong with the University of Tennessee, that was not in my top five. So this this kind of surprised me. And then, you know, I think in the past, you know, Jeremy's had some, you know, he's had some run in with some coaches. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, if you remember when he first took that job, uh, there was a lot that was that, that was the big questions down there when he was in at what Hoover and they kept asking him about you know the what, what happened who was it in Georgia at no Georgia. Mark Rick yeah, yeah with Mark Rick and mm-hmm. stuff so it, it just that part is kind of playing in the back of my mind do you know exactly what happened here yeah so I'm told that uh, Pruitt and Brumbaugh they had never worked together as far mm-hmm. as I know until this season obviously and they just never, you know, hit it off. And, I and you know, there was a lot of, I don't want to say distrust, but I just don't think they got along. I don't think they really liked each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've heard speculation and rumors. I don't think it's gotten anywhere. Like, I've, when I say that, I hear I'm talking like physical altercations. But I don't think that is true. I've not heard anything to, to suggest that. But the mm-hmm. fact that you fire him in the middle of the season – you know, I'm trying to rack my brain of when a position coach has been removed like this after a couple of games with, you know, with no scandal attached to him or no NCAA mm-hmm. violations. It's, it's hard for me to come up with a name here. So, you know, c- certainly something not right here. And I don't really think it's – I don't really think he's trying to make this guy out to be the scapegoat like all these people are saying, but – you know, on one hand, I give Pruitt credit because if it's not working, like he, we're going to get to his comments here in just a moment, but, you know, if it's not working, it's not working. And, and he, right. you're doing more damage just by having him around. But at the same time, why in the hell we hire this guy? I, I know he worked with Derek Ansley. 
They gave him a co-defensive coordinator title. That was obviously a mistake. They're going to end up paying this guy uh, $800,000 to leave. <laughs> I mean, this is, it's ridiculous the money that they burn up there at uh, the University of Tennessee on these coaches' contracts. But I saw somebody says that should come out of uh, Pruitt's uh, salary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. It's just it's a weird, weird story. But uh, at the end of the day, I think Jeremy Pruitt knows – you know, he's certainly not sitting on the hottest hot seat in the world, but I think he knows he's got to shake something up here. And he's probably looking around the room. And this was one of the only guys that, uh, you know, he didn't previously work with, didn't wasn't there last year, right. and not a ton of experience in the system. And if you go back to fall camp, I mean, this is something that we heard repeatedly. He was displeased with the defensive line. They were getting worked by the offensive line, and it was the defensive line that was the one that was bringing everyone back, and and yet these guys are not, you know, living up to the hype. Even though it's kind of like you said, it seemed like the defensive line was playing pretty well to me, but I right. I thought they, you know, I think the main reason Tracy Rocker's not even there anymore, who's I think he's an outstanding defensive line coach. Georgia fans have issue with him. Tennessee fans have issue with him, but. You know, because he's not an elite recruiter, but hell, last time I checked, everywhere he goes, the defensive line's awesome. He's at South Carolina now; the defensive line down there's awesome. So, uh, if you're downgrading in coaching, you got to be upgrading in recruiting, and I'm not sure we're seeing that either. But uh, I don't know if it's totally fair to say that because hell, he's not even here long enough to recruit. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just a weird, weird spot. And now Jeremy Pruitt himself is going to teach the or coach the defensive line. And, you know, he's more than qualified to do that. So I don't think that's really an issue. I th- I saw a lot of people laugh at that, but. He was doing a lot of that in the spring too. Or, or mm-hmm. not, yeah. Yeah. Spring right before they, they shut everything down. I saw. So yeah, he, he, that's, that's his bread and butter that and defensive backs. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, he, there's not going to be any issue here. I think with Pruitt coaching the, I think they'll get even better with him coaching the defensive line, but still, Coming off an embarrassing loss with the yeah, offense being an issue. This is uh, this is definitely bizarre, but uh, I guess we'll just have to – it remains to be seen whether this is going to work or not. But, you know, he knew everybody in the conference is going to be raising their eyebrow wondering what in the hell they're doing. So if it's that big of a deal, I mean, he had to have known that. I think it was – a there must have been a big issue where they need to get this guy out of there. Yeah. All right, so let's kick it over to Coach Pruitt, who talks about his decision to move on from him. And then uh, I really Shane's going to have to cover his ears here for a moment because he's asked repeatedly about Jarrett Garantano and the quarterback competition and who's starting and everything. And uh, he talked about defending slants. I mean, that's mm. that's been a huge, huge issue here for Tennessee. So uh, let's kick it over to Coach Pruitt. You know, yesterday I decided to make a change at the D-line position. Um, Coach, Coach Brumball uh, – um, done a really nice job for us. He worked his tail off. Uh, sometimes uh, from a philosophical standpoint, things are just not a fit uh, and it just didn't work out for us. So I decided to do that and I'm going to coach the defensive line for the rest of the season. Uh, Jeremy, on, on Jimmy, why make the move now? And when you talk about philosophical um, differences, what, what sort of changed from January or February until now? Well, if, 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 it's, if it's not working out, it's better just to do it right now. 
uh, me and Jimmy had a really good conversation and, um, you know, it's unfortunately, but probably because of the COVID um, circumstance when, when you're a new coach and you don't have a chance to uh, be around your players from March, April, May, uh, and then limited in June, uh, puts you at a disadvantage. And um, this is no knock on Jimmy as a coach whatsoever. Uh, he, he is one of the most knowledgeable guys I've been around. Uh, and he'll do a good job wherever he goes. And uh, just something that I felt like that we needed to do, um, and we did it. Jeremy, can you just talk about the quarterback situation? Is that going to be open all week? And, and could it even be where, where it's a game-time decision as far as the starter? Well, I've talked about it um, a little bit in the past. You know, uh, obviously, there's there's three or four plays in a game that, that – Jarrett would like to have back, right? Um, talked about him Saturday after the game. Um, you know, same thing with JT. Um, you know, when you look at Brian and Harrison, um, both of these guys were very limited in fall camp, uh, which is one of the reasons that, um, you know, we've continued to have these scrimmages on, on Sunday night to try to get these guys kind of caught up just to give them an opportunity. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing like live action. And we, again, we had a, a scrimmage last night and both of these guys took reps. So uh, we'll continue to evaluate that position as the week goes. Uh, Jeremy, how does sort of the Jarrett that you've seen the last couple of weeks compare to the Jarrett that you've seen in, in practice over the last year? Well, I mean, you, you go back and look, just let's just take Saturday, for example, okay? Uh, we throw an out route for an interception, right? Um, you know, they're playing middle of the field coverage man to man, and um, we run an out route. You know, the, the corner never gets, you know, in a, in a back pedal. He just squats on the route. Well, that starts one wide receiver. We got to play with more speed, okay? Uh, if the guy's covered, don't throw the ball. So that, that was a mistake in a couple areas there. Um, we got a chance, we're throwing the ball down the field and we got a chance to throw a check down uh, and we try to force a ball inside, um, which we shouldn't do, okay? So there's there's two spots there that, um, you know, really hurt us. Um, the fumble on the running back, we, we, we got it, the running back's got to avoid the quarterback there. You know, everybody runs RPOs, gotta get, we're getting the ball out. We know that we can't run into the quarterback there. Um, and then, you know, when you're standing there in the pocket um, and you get hit from behind, uh, the chances are I played quarterback in high school. Uh, when you, you, you stand there and somebody hits you and you don't see them coming, uh, there's a chance you may fumble the football. We've got to understand how our protections are, you know, and again, it's not always on the offensive line. All right? Tight ends are tied into this. Running backs are tied into this. So as a unit, we've got to do a better job of protecting the quarterback for sure. Would you say some of those mistakes you saw on Saturday have been pretty uncharacteristic in practice, or have you seen some of that in practice? Well, um, Jared's thrown very few interceptions in practice all fall camp. Uh, he's done a really nice job taking care of the football. It's why he's been our starting quarterback. He's really done a nice job taking care of the football. Um, so uh, we, he's got to eliminate those those uh, mistakes, and we've got to do a better job up front collectively as a group offensively, um, 
being in a being in uh, more efficient third downs uh, and protecting the quarterback, whoever the quarterback is. Jeremy, you said this time last week that that Jared Garantano is your quarterback. Would would you say that's still the case that Jared is your quarterback? Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, um, Jared didn't play his best game the other night, right? But there's some other guys that didn't play their best game too. Um, so he's going to have to go out here and earn it at practice, just like everybody else. Um, and am am I wanting to? put Jarrett Garantano on the shelf? No, absolutely not. I think the guy has uh, a lot of really good qualities about him. Uh, he's helped us win a lot of football games. Did he Did he make a few mistakes Saturday? Sure he did, okay? But I, I think everybody uh, on our football team and in our organization all could have done better, uh, starting with me. Uh, so this isn't about one person, it's about everybody within our program. Uh, and I think everybody within our program understands that. Coach, you mentioned that Kentucky hit you uh, a couple of times in the second half with the slant. Uh, the middle of the field's obviously been an issue in coverage through four games. Uh, how do you address that? What, what's the answer uh, on on cleaning up and tightening up the middle of the football field? You know, in terms of defending the pass. Well, I think we got to do a better job um, getting push up front. You know, when you throw the ball short over the middle. Um, it usually has to go through the five offensive linemen and four defensive linemen. So we've got to do a better job getting push in the pocket. We got to get our hands up. Um, got to got to have tighter coverage, uh, whether we're playing them inside out or outside in. Uh, got to do a better job disguising uh, so they don't know that it's there. Um, you know, so every every coverage there's a, there's a weakness um, and you have to be able to hide the weakness. You don't need them to know where it's at. So uh, we've got to do a better job disguising also. All right, Shane. So, I mean, oh God. We, we already talked the defensive line coach. So we out, obviously the big, the bigger story, I think in Tennessee is Jared Garantano in this quarterback spot. And based on these comments, they don't have faith in anyone else to win ball games here. So, I fully expect we're going to see Jarrett Garantano unless he has a meltdown in practice. He sounds like a hell of a practice player, Shane. So practice, practice. You want to talk about practice? That's I always think of Allen Iverson when I hear that. <laughs> I mean, surely you realize that some people are good in practice, Mike. You know, mm -hmm. he he's going to win the job in practice. Guess why, Mike? Because he's good at practice. We're talking about practice, Mike. What about the game? What about the actual footage that everyone else is watching? That's what we should be going off because some people play better than they do in practice. Josh Joshua Jobs was one of those. Mm -hmm. he, he he was a they the notorious. They would say that he was better at real real time in a game than he was during practice, and that's that's what I don't understand. Because you do you remember uh, Coach Leach just yesterday? talking about how great Mississippi State did on Tuesday's practice. Right. You know? And he goes, yeah, we, we look like we looked like a fantastic team on Tuesday, and then we come out here. So instead of making excuses for his quarterback, he's saying, you know what, maybe we're going to have to try this other quarterback. You know, it's just it, – it, it blows my mind. It blows my mind that Pruitt says, oh, yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's done a lot of turnovers in practice. Well, guess what? You can't win games with – when you have no turnovers in practice, you know, practice right. is important. 
you know, because it, it does lead into game day action. But to me, Mike, it feels like we're wasting a lot of damn reps on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. And here's another bit of insight that I have on this situation. And yeah, I mean, I lean with you. I understand. I think you got to give some of these other guys a look, obviously. But here's the thing with Garantano. He does have a big-time arm, very inconsistent. I think you said it best on the last show. I mean, ESPN came prepared with the uh, up-and-down graphic. I mean, that kind of says it all. But the key here, and I think this is why Pruitt's always got his back and is always trying to hype him up in the media because he has got some mental issues. And I don't want to confuse people. I'm not saying he's not a smart guy or anything like that, but he just lacks confidence and he, and he's got a fragile psyche and he's always looking over his shoulder. And I guess they just have no faith in the rest of the quarterbacks. And if he's out here throwing him under the bus or, you know, saying that, uh, you know, he's can't get it done and all this. I mean, I could, I guess he just assumes he'll, he'll just completely cave in these games, but Hell, that's what he's doing already. So I don't, you know, it's it's almost like maybe you need you need to give him some tough love. And uh, I I mean I completely understand everything you're saying because you you're just uh, I'm out. You're, you're saying the same thing everybody else is saying at the fan base, yeah. and and there's there's no there's no argument against what you're saying. There really isn't. And did you see what Toa Toa just put on his Instagram page? He put a picture of Harrison Bailey and his fingers crossed. What do you think that means? The defense is out on Garantano. That's what that means. They're tired of going out there and having to face a 14-0 deficit because your quarterback can't throw a football. So, uh, yeah. God, we talked Tennessee all day long, Mike. What, what else we got? Let's, all right, all right. Yeah, let's, yeah, uh, let's skip it on down here. We got some. Big news out of Baton Rouge. Go Tigers. We're going to talk a lot more LSU on the next episode because we're going to have more of Coach O previewing South Carolina, and then we'll have Will Muschamp doing uh, vice versa there. But I just really wanted to make this note because Coach O gave us the latest update on Miles Brennan, and this sounds a lot serious than uh, we thought last week here. Uh, last Wednesday on the conference call, you said that Miles was doubtful for the game on Saturday. If y'all would have played that game, would he have suited up? And uh, can you update his condition? Is he going to yeah. practice early in the week? Yeah, he, he was not going to play last week. We expected him back early during the week. I just talked to Jack. He's questionable. It's taking a little bit more time for him to heal, and he's going to be questionable for the game. Hey, Matt Viscona from ESPN Baton Rouge. Um, Two-part, two could you – to whatever degree you can, elaborate on, on what Miles' issue is. And then... Uh, Miles has a significant injury uh, to his lower body, uh, something that we do believe is going to heal. It's taken a little bit more time to heal. And uh, we thought he'd be back today, but he's not. And uh, I don't know if he's going to play this game. And following up with, uh, you know, kind of the quarterback situation, uh, you had another week with your true freshman back there, uh, preparing again for the possibility of playing. What have you seen the growth for them? Has anybody yeah. kind of stepped forward yet to you? To be honest, they both had fantastic weeks. Both of them are very impressive. Uh, I believe both of those guys have NFL talent, quarterback. Uh, now they haven't been in a live action. They're both freshmen, but we're going to practice both of those quarterbacks this week. 
we're going to tell them whoever has the best week is going to start. And, um, and, I, and I plan on giving both of them a chance during the game. Either one starts. I want to see what they can do, and the only way to do it is under live action. Hey, Coach o, uh, Garland again with a follow-up. Uh, I think Finley, when he en enrolled at LSU, he was in the 260 range weight. I think he's down about 240. Yeah. Uh, I think we, we know him as a passer, but can he also make, make moves now getting that lower weight down to 240? Yeah, I think it's helped him. Uh, he scrambled. We had a two-minute drill uh, on Thursday. He scrambled out of there. It looked very, very good. And, you know, obviously Max is very fast. I think Max is comparable in speed to Joe Burrow, a little bit faster. Uh, Max is a better scrambler than TJ. He's more of a dual threat quarterback. But if so, TJ can move out of the pocket and uh, avoid the rush. All right, Shane. So lower body injury, significant. In a significant, yeah. <laughs> Here, here's the deal. According to The Athletic, who spoke to Miles Brennan's father, he's got a partially torn muscle in his ab. So basically every time this kid moves, he's in pain, you know? Jeez. I mean, you can't breathe without your abs. You can't. Stand up. You can't. You can't do anything. So <laughs> this is uh, this is not going to require what, surgery. Now, what muscle is this, my? <laughs> and how do I know if I've done this? <laughs> this is his abdomen. So it's no, one of these not... issues where it's a pain tolerance. You know, how much pain can he go through, and what can he physically do? And it's it's a tricky one because I'm certainly not suggesting that they can just beat South Carolina without him. I don't. I don't know if they can, but at the same time, the bigger games on the schedule are upcoming with Auburn and Alabama and Texas A&M. Mm -hmm. You know, you risk losing him for those games if he hurts himself even further. So this is a tricky spot to be in. South Carolina's just won two in a row. They're feeling good. Their defensive backs are playing lights out. Mm -hmm. You really want to throw some inexperienced quarterbacks at them? I don't know, so... Yeah, Miles Brennan would not have played, like Coach O said, last week. So, up in the air. And I don't know, man. I, I'm thinking it's more likely that Miles Brennan does not play in this game based on these comments. Yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty almost straightforward, Mike. I, I We may not see him the following week. It, it sounds to me like this is a pretty serious injury, and he's just not – the rehab's not going the way they had planned. No mm -hmm. doubt. I mean, because honestly, we didn't even know he really had an injury until it was kind of mentioned last week. You know, before the before the bye week started. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, what's what's the backup quarterback situation look like here? Do you think we see a committee or? I'm you glad. Think yeah, Shane, because <laughs> it doesn't get much worse than this. Now these kids are touted, so I'm, I'm not trying to totally dismiss them. But it's two true freshmen mm. that obviously. Didn't get a spring, but they got T.J. Finley. The guy's a tank. I think we made reference to him. He showed up. He was like 260. <laughs> he, apparently, he's down about 240, so that's good. And then the other one is a guy by the name of Max Johnson. They're very high on. He's the son oh, yeah. of Brad Johnson, former NFL quarterback. So, hey, we've got some potential here. Coach O thinks very highly of both these guys. Uh, that seems like a classic LSU, though. You know, all the all the backups are good. <laughs> and once yeah. they get out there, they're touted. They're like, oh, my God, no, we, we can't find a quarterback. So, I don't now, know. Max, it's going to be one of these guys. I, I think it, I have no idea which one, but uh, I, I would be thinking we're probably going to see both of them. So, we got Max Johnson, mm -hmm. which may be the coolest quarterback name. Not the, not the coolest. We've got some good ones out there, but – 
It's up there. And who was the other guy? What was his name? Tank? TJ Finley. I, I, we like to call him Tank. Tank, yeah, I like Tank Finley. <laughs> Ooh. What do you do, man? I mean, because uh, Miles Brennan, you know, had to move quite a bit. And Coach mm-hmm. O, did you already play Coach O's clip? Yes, sir. Okay, so, you know, he talks about Johnson being obviously the, the more mobile quarterback of the group here. Don't you kind of want that as a freshman? Uh, don't you you want that ability? I mean, because it wasn't like LSU was just playing lights out up front and, mm-hmm. and giving Miles Brennan. I mean, hell, he's got a torn ab muscle. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, I, I just, oh, which one are you leaning more toward? I'll go with Max Johnson, but again, not really sure. I mean, that's a kind of shot in the dark here. Yeah. The main issue here, beyond obviously the quarterback position. But LSU can't run the ball either. So it's like you got to lean on that when you got a true freshman. Are you, you know, Brendan's throwing the ball 40, 45 times a game. You're going to ask a true freshman to do that. I don't know. This is, uh, this is potentially setting up for, for a disastrous showing here on Saturday. And I certainly don't hope that's the case, but I don't, or, or hell, maybe they'll just have one of these guys ready to go. Cause on the, on the flip side, South Carolina's not going to have any film on them. So they don't, they don't know what's coming at them. Exactly. All right, Shane. So last thing we got to hit on here, like I said, it's going to be a brief one here. Texas A&M. Let's jump on down to College Station. Giga Maggies. Where the Aggies, they're on a bye this week, but they're sitting good at 3-1. and one. They got a couple weeks to prepare, and all of a sudden, they got a red-hot Arkansas coming to town. Remember, they're, they've done away with the neutral site game, so this is going to be at College Station. That should be a tremendous environment i know it's not going to be full capacity but last time we saw texas a and play at home there was quite a few fans there so <laughs> it'll be a good setting to arkansas and texas a&m and college station but uh, uh let's kick it over to jimbo talking about the defensive line and that unit coming together and on the poison of reading their press clippings rat poison mike Hey, Jimbo, we're talking about the defensive front. Jaden Peavy was named SEC Defense Player of the Week. It could have been, I feel like, any of those guys, though. How pleased are you right now with what you're getting from that front? Well, you got to. I mean, you know, whether it's pressure, run stopping, and and like I said, that's one of the things we've been trying to work on is quarterback pressures, pressuring the quarterback and pass rush. And now we had four sacks going in and got six in the game. So hopefully we can build on that and continue to find different ways. And it was also linebackers and safeties blitzing, too, but the packages in which we can enhance to create pressures. But our our, our defensive line is, like I say, it, it, it can be a very be good strength for our football team. Specific to McKinley Jackson and to Marvin Leal, probably yeah. about two of the loudest and most disruptive two tackle performances I've seen. Could you yes. speak specifically to those two guys? Yeah, those guys. I mean, because Marvin's got the ability to go in or out, and you know he's got you know he's athletic. He, he he's he has the size for the inside guys, but the athleticism for the outside guys. He's a very unique player, and I think in today's football, a very will be a very productive player for a long time. Um, guys are outstanding, have great football mind. McKinley the same way. Here's the thing about both of those. One thing common about both those guys, they love ball. And when I say love ball, everybody say, well, everybody loves ball. No, you don't. Some guys like playing ball or playing in the game. Some guys like to lift weights. Some guys like to run. Some guys like to practice. They like to watch film. Those guys like everything that goes with ball. That's why they play good. The God's blessed them with a great bit of talent, and they utilize it. But they love all the things that go with ball, which today isn't always uh, – you know, and, and there always was. A lot of guys have been that way for you, I say today, but for years, I always say my generation, me and, me and my players, everything. Yeah, coach, your generation. You know what I mean? You're, I say your generation. 
But, you know, it, it's always like how many guys truly love everything that goes with it? Both those guys do. They're both very talented. They're both gifted. And Lord, stay, Lord willing, they stay healthy. They can play this game a long time. Very pleased with both of them. And are you telling your team not to read clippings and social media? Yeah, it, it's all, man, it, it, it's all garbage. It's all poison. Listen, it, it, listen, right now we need to worry about next week and how we get better this week. And then, then play, then get ready for Arkansas and play it. And don't worry about the scoreboard. Win, win your space. You can't worry about what, what y'all say. And I don't mean that in any disrespect to any of y'all. Y'all going to write your story, say what you're going to say. We have to play. We're, our, our, we're in a results-based world on what we do and how we prepare to play. And uh, you can't believe the poison that's out there, good, bad, indifferent, whether it's bad or it's good. What matters is what's in that room and what you believe with your players, coaches, and organization. And you play the next play, play the win your space, put your dominance on somebody else, put your will upon somebody else, and play. And that's what we need to stay focused on and not anything else. All right, Shane. So, I mean, I think this is a real thing here. I'm glad Jimbo brought it up because – you know, like we joked before, we buried the Aggies. Now mm-hmm. I think there's people going a little too crazy. I think they're ranked number seven in the nation. Uh, I think I said on the last show there's not a team on their schedule right now that's ranked the rest of the way. I, I do suspect that'll change. But all of a sudden, I mean, I'm seeing the articles. Texas A&M, dark horse playoff contender. So, <laughs> I mean, it's so wild. And this is just the latest example I'm seeing. In the SEC, this all-SEC schedule, where one week we're done with you, the next week you're the toast of the town. But uh, how do you read these comments from uh, Jimbo and his Aggies? That's the thing, man. They've they've been low-key after that Alabama game. I, I mean, I know Florida was a big win, but it was an early win, and, and it just felt like it didn't get it, – it, it got nowhere near the press clippings that Alabama and Georgia did. That's that's the two teams people are talking about in the SEC right now. Nobody's talking about – Texas A&M has got a clear path, brother. Think about this. You got Arkansas. You got South Carolina, Tennessee, Ole Miss, LSU, and Auburn. There is a real opportunity, a real shot here, Mike, for them not to lose a damn game. And what do you do at the end of the season if you've got one team, let's say Alabama, undefeated, goes to an SEC championship, and you've got the other team, a Texas A&M team, that lost to Bama early but is playing better later? How do you keep them out of the place? I think they just played if – they, if they just keep doing what they're doing, showing up to work, Texas A&M Aggies could – very easily be there on on the on the big stage when the playoff committee gets together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt because you got to recognize. Obviously, the normal SEC season's eight, so we're adding two more. So if you escape that thing with just one loss, I mean that is as good as you're going to get. There's yeah. not going to be another resume quite like that in the nation outside of obviously the team that wins the SEC. So that's up there, but. I'm like Jimbo, man. I'm trying to pump the brakes on this bad boy because <laughs> it's one thing to say none of the teams are ranked, Shane, but Arkansas, South Carolina, Tennessee, Ole Miss, LSU, Auburn, those are the teams they're facing. If I think if those teams show up with their A performance, they can beat A&M. So A&M's got to show up each and every week with a great performance, and I think that's just going to be the story of this year where – any team at any time can get you. And, hell, Vanderbilt almost beat this team. So, yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm trying to pump the brakes a little bit like Jimbo, but uh, 
No, if, if I'm an Aggie fan, <laughs> yeah, hell no, we're going, we're going uh-uh. all the way, and all Hammer you need down, is baby. all you need is Alabama to drop a game or two, and you're right, right there too. So, I think you need some. I think you need some signature wins. Not, I, I don't think it's gonna. I think if you win out, it, it'd be tough for them not. But you got to remember, there's going to be most likely an undefeated Clemson team. Mm-hmm. There's probably going to be an undefeated Ohio State team. You know, so there's two. The SEC champion. There's three. So that fourth spot, who gets it? You know. Well, let me I, ask I'm, you this, Shane, since you're already going down this rabbit hole. Yeah. Let's say Florida rebounds. They went out. They meet undefeated Alabama in the SEC championship game. Yeah. And Florida beats Alabama. And Club. then Texas A&M, they're the only team that beat Florida. So we got three SEC teams with one loss. Who are you leaving out of that group? Alabama, Florida, Texas. I'd, you might have to put them all in there. That that could change the future of college football playoffs. I mean, it's going to be something like that because, you know, they're, they're going to be crying, man. Them, them, they're going to be crying that Ohio State, even though they only played three games, you know, <laughs> on a soccer field against <laughs> Division two teams, they, they, they deserve the opportunity to be in a playoffs, Mike. You know, because they took COVID more serious than we did. So, you know, I think their asses should get left because we just went through a juggernaut schedule. I, you know what? I think the SEC should just pull out and pick four damn teams and say, you know what, we're going to do our own thing. You know what I'm saying? That's what I think. Just, just, you know what, we'll just meet wherever you want. You know, we'll bring Clemson in. You know, just to shut them up and and let them have a piece of it. If they got three, I, that's what I'd want to see, Mike. If Texas A and M, if if they do what you're saying, and Florida wins out, uh, or even Georgia, don't, what, what what happens if Georgia wins out, Mike? You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're I, right in the conversation too. So I mean, it could it could happen, and uh, it's going to be nasty. And I just I just wish those guys would have just opted. Out. I mean, I. I just don't want to deal with that. When do they start? It's coming up, ain't it? I think it, I think it's this weekend, but I I couldn't swear to it. Okay, so they're they're, they're back from their ski trip and they want to <laughs> they want to play a little college football now, Mike. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Get the hell out of here! Oh. All right, buddy. So that's uh, that's all I got on this one. A little bit shorter, but uh, still a solid podcast. And like I said, we got. The rest of the teams facing off this weekend, we're going to preview those matchups on the next episode. And, hey, I did have a request from uh, one of the reviews we got. They, he wanted to know how to reach out with those reviews. It's that podcast at gmail.com. That's also in the show notes if you're wondering about that. And, of course, we, we send a free koozie for each and every one of those written reviews. And we've got Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss, Texas A&M on the way, Shane. So we're gonna we got damn near <laughs> the entire SEC covered. Get you mm-hmm. a free that SEC podcast beer koozie just for just our way of uh, showing support for each and every one of you that mm-hmm. goes that extra step and shows us some sports. So uh, you got anything before we hop off here, buddy? Uh, I'm sure I'm missing something, Mike. But yeah, the the. The reviews really do help us out. Um, Twitter was fun today, you know. The the Kentucky tweets have slowed down a little bit. We still got a couple, you know. My <laughs> they are bet, feeling themselves, aren't they? My bourbon bet boys. Yeah, I got to go to uh, 
I got to go to the package store. God, I'm. If you're wondering where that's at, I'm going to be sending those out probably like Thursday or something, Wednesday or Thursday. But uh, I don't know. I may end up drinking them. I may not even. Send, no, I'm just kidding. I'm good on my bets. I send them up. <laughs> Oh man, this was uh, this is what it's all about, Mike. Uh, you know, it, it is. This is what I love. This is why we love college football. You know, we get to pick on each other. We get, you know, they're gonna they they get to hold that over my head for an entire year. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And what I love about it, what I absolutely love about it, I took it easy on them last year, Mike. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I didn't tweet them to death. I didn't, I didn't make too many jokes because I knew they were down. You know, I didn't want them to be too sad, but. They're, they're swinging, brother, and I love it because now it, it's letting me know where, where that threshold's at. You know, it just moved a little <laughs> bit further. So I'm ready for next year when we have the beer barrel contest. So that's what college football's about, man. It's about rivalries. It's about holding shit over each other's heads. It's about talking shit at the at the water coolers. That's that's why we love this game. And you know, there's there's so many things going on right now. It's just it's so many moving pieces. We got here's LSU, man. You know, just come off national championship, ultimate high. Now you now you got two freshman quarterbacks duking it out, tanking Max Johnson. You know, your future. You may be watching your future Saturday, you know, and saying, oh, all right, man, the, the future looks bright, you know. Mm-hmm. Or you may say, oh, man, we got a lot of work to do. Is Coach O the guy? You know, <laughs> We may it. never win another game. <laughs> That's it, man. We're ready to bury Texas A&M, and here they are controlling their own destiny. And we're talking about them being in a college football playoff, South Carolina. Fire must champ last week. Now it's like give him a raise, like you said. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's that's what this is all about. I love it. I love every minute of it. Uh, I, I, you know, what what are we then? Four games in, so we've still got what six more SEC matchups. Your team's got six more SEC games. So, right. um, dude, that's think about that. Forty percent. That's forty percent. Next week be fifty. So we're halfway done through the season. So soak it up. Have fun. Find a way to watch your favorite team because for long it's going to be off again and we're going to have to wait an entire year for it to come back. So I love college football. I love the fans. I appreciate the support, those that have sent those reviews in. I'll be sure to read those Friday. Just have a good day, guys and girls. All right. Well, that's a perfect way to end it, Shane. Thanks for joining me as always. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols.